All right, welcome back, everybody, to the Game Chat Podcast. We have a very special guest joining us, reoccurring guest now. Yeah, um, right. In person this time, it's my man, Jaden Sheffy. Jaden, thanks for joining us. Appreciate you having me, as yeah, always. Yeah, of course. So, before we get into we got we got some football to talk. We got a, a lot of things to talk about, but I wanted to give you a chance to kind of talk about your podcast first that yeah. you guys just started. Um, you can just go ahead and, and take it. Yeah, it's been it's been fun. We just started at the beginning of this year. Um, it's called the YSM Podcast. It stands for Young Soul Binded. Uh, my friends Walt and Jalen, uh, we started that, and kind of how it started is I've always wanted to do a podcast personally. Um, but it wasn't until Walt called me like this past summer, my friend Walt, he was like, Hey, we should start a podcast. I was like, you know, you're speaking, you're speaking my language. So, um, we, we started that and it took a while for us to kind of get it off the ground, prepare some things. Um, but now we're really starting to take off with it and we've had two or three episodes now and, um, how, how we're doing it right now is filming it on Instagram live. And then our next step is getting it on audio so we can get it on like Spotify podcast, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but usually, like the main the main point of the podcast is to talk about you know organic conversations that lead to you know impacting and inspiring other people to kind of think outside the box. So talking about life, finance, business, uh, sports too, um, diverse topics for different people, and that's kind of how we see the vision and how it's going. So it's been super. Yeah, fun. yeah, for sure. I like I I I hadn't really ever thought about doing it on Instagram live and so it's like unique that you guys do it yeah. that way but it's also cool because I've, I've been in the chat for I think all you said you have three out right yeah. now two, yeah. we have two right now two right now yeah. okay then I've been there for both of them mm-hmm. um, and it's just cool watching you guys it's a good, good chance to interact yeah um, and then also just I don't know you get to show everyone that it's just an organic conversation like exactly. you guys are just hanging out and encouraging uh people to kind of jump in it's just a, I, I think it's a cool way to do it um i mean do you guys have any like any plans you know what like what were kind of next steps for the pod or is it like you said getting it getting it out on, right. on podcast platforms and stuff but um like what's the goal kind of yeah i think next big steps are definitely the audio the podcast um, getting those on those platforms just because it kind of fits an older niche um, not everyone has instagram obviously so kind of targeting those people that are maybe in the 35 plus range mm-hmm. is something that we're looking to do now. Um, and then next steps also is we're going to create a website and a YouTube eventually. Um, so to get, build more traffic, build more engagement, um, just for not only our demographic age. So kind of that 15 to, you could say 24 range mm-hmm. and kind of build outside of that too. So that's yep. what we're looking to do next. Yeah, for sure. It's tough, man, but it's you know consistency and Absolutely. and stuff is key and yeah, yeah for sure. And I, I, I don't know Walt uh, at all, but I love Jalen and I, I I've wanted to get him on here a few times. Yeah, yeah maybe I will now that he he's in the audio. He yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, that's awesome, man. I was I was pumped to see when you guys were talking about it. I was pumped to see just more younger people starting podcasts yeah. too because it's just cool to hear friends and guys our age just talking about sports and life and yeah Absolutely. I think it's really cool so. I think it's starting to get pretty popular too for mm-hmm. our age and I think it's a great tool to use especially once you get out of school and get out of like sports yeah I think we're starting to see that a lot more just because nowadays in our society like people are starting to understand that young people can have a voice 
And so using that in the best way, there's so many platforms nowadays, social media, audio, like there's so many things to use yeah. to kind of get your voice out there. So just expanding upon that, I think it's cool to see multiple people do. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, all right, anything else with, with your pod you want to talk about? No, no, that's all. All right, so a few things that I think football-wise, I guess most of this is, <laughs> most of the rest of this is football. Yeah. Um, let's start with Brian Flores. Yep. Um, we were talking about this earlier. You mentioned that this was a main topic on your guys' pod on Tuesday. Yep. So go listen to their conversation about it. I'm sure it's uh, I mean, different perspective than, than what we're going to talk about here. But um, I don't know. I you, you brought up some good points to me earlier, so I just wanted to give you a chance to kind of reiterate that yep. about Brian Flores and this whole situation because we talked about that on our pod too. So if you haven't listened to that, go back and listen to it. We kind of covered all the basis and what, what happened. Um, so we're kind of just, I think we should move forward with the knowledge that everyone knows what's happened in this situation. Sure. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is being black, especially a sport that has the majority of its athletes as black or people of color, you have to be more aware and more, um, more, more assertive in how you approach these situations. Just just putting an end racism or words on a piece of paper or social media doesn't really doesn't cut it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so doing the things that are proactive that actually constitute change is what needs to happen. With this situation with Brian Flores, it's it's really kind of exposing what's been gone, what's been going on for years. Um, and I think people are starting to kind of wake up and see what's actually happening. Um, Obviously, there's people that are, you could say, I guess, quote unquote, woke that understand that this has been going on. But I'm talking about the general public is really starting to see this. Um, I think one thing that was fascinating to me is when this all went down, you know, we talked about Bill Belichick. Like right. A great, as great of a mastermind he has, um, football and just overall as a person, it's, it's just confusing to me how you would make that kind of mistake. Um, especially with an administrative level, right? You know, talking about new hires, coaches like that's kind of that's very personal business that belongs to the organization and whoever you're dealing with. So for him to say, I think it was interesting. I don't know if you read the screenshots, yeah, of the text, yeah, yeah. but Brian Flores was like, "Hey, are you talking to me or a different Brian?" Right, he's right. Like, oh, I messed this up. Right, right. So it's just like, did he do that on accident? Was it on purpose? Was it because of the Giants and the whole Deflategate thing years ago? Mm-hmm. Was he kind of getting back at them? Mm-hmm. Like, what's actually happening? Um, I think so. To, to that point, because yeah. because you're totally right, and, and I hadn't really thought about him doing it on purpose. And from the Giants' angle too, that's very interesting. And uh, I know there's some Patriots fans I saw on Twitter that were pretty upset that the investigation the NFL has basically just said you know so far they're like we're, we're launching an investigation yeah. but with the deflategate thing they may I mean they made that was a bigger deal about their investigation than this yep. and so that's exactly. you, you, you t- you're totally right that's definitely a possibility I mean I even think it's possible Belichick knows I mean Flores was an assistant for Belichick for I think like 10 years yeah. uh, so he knows Flores really well do you think it's possible that Belichick could could have heard that Dable is going to be hired and maybe he did I think he could have even done it on purpose to let Flores know like hey something's going on here bro like um 
instead of coming out and just saying, yeah. I think there's, you know, some tampering or, you know, racism in this hiring, like, hey, I'm going to kind of give you some, some crumbs to follow. I don't know. Sure. I, 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 like you said, Belichick is a smart, smart, one of the smartest guys we have um, in the NFL, and it's just weird that he makes a dumb mistake like that. Yeah, and I think another aspect, too, what we spoke of earlier is how Flores and Jackson were both getting paid hundreds, hundreds of thousands of dollars to lose games mm-hmm. for their teams. Mm-hmm. There's no way that internally, as far as like a head coaching circle is concerned, that that was brushed under the rug. Right. Other coaches had to know about this. Right. But it kind of goes back to the point, like, do you want to bite the hand that's feeding mm-hmm. you, you know? Because, unfortunately for Flores, I just don't see him coaching again mm-hmm. at a head coach level in the league. Um, Which I, I hope is not true. I really hope you know, it's not you true. Wish you, you, don't, you would hope that doesn't happen. Right. Um, but it's kind of similar to Kaepernick. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. once you take a stand for something, especially like this, you kind of get kicked out of the circle. Sure, for honestly. sure. For sure. We'll see what goes down. Yeah. It's Man, I really, I hope, and like you said, Kaepernick is the perfect example because it's literally happened. I hope we've learned from that. Yeah. I hope that the, the change that he inspired, like, worked and that Flores does get a job because, man, we were talking about it yesterday and I don't know how many coaching jobs now are open and he was by far the most qualified the most candidate. Most qualified, yeah. yes. I mean, shouldn't have gotten fired in the first place and it was funny, I remember... Uh, the day that, you know, the pod that we did after he had gotten fired, we were kind of talking about, you know, why why did Flores get fired? Because that was definitely the most surprising yeah. um, firing. And, you know, we had circled Deshaun Watson as kind of like, okay, did he want Deshaun and the Dolphins didn't? Is that kind of why he got fired? Had Maybe it was the opposite. Maybe the Dolphins really wanted Deshaun and Flores wanted to stick with Tua and because that happens sometimes. There's disagreements over over personnel sure. uh, that causes firings and stuff. But and, and now this comes out, and now you're like, okay, the, this made me makes a little bit more sense that because he said he didn't accept the money. He, yeah. You know, he came out and was like, that's not what I was gonna do. I wasn't gonna accept money, and it makes sense because they had a great couple seasons. Right. And and then I think that in 2019 when they wanted to tank because they apparently they wanted Burrow. Um, you know, they end up getting the fifth pick or whatever. So it didn't like they didn't tank. They they won a few games at the end of the year. Sure. Um Yeah, man, I don't know. It's just interesting. And I hope hope he gets a job somewhere. I think the unfortunate thing is is and this is just a reality for black people in general, like myself, um, whether that's sports, life, business, whatever it may be. You can't have you, you can take and this is the reality, you can take a person that's black and a person that's white and put them in the same job but the room for error in those jobs a black person is not allowed to be mediocre Mm -hmm. and still continue to have that job whereas a white person may do things differently and have mediocre results but still keep that job we've seen that plenty of times in the nfl and it may sound blatant and just kind of harsh but it's true because we've seen that with adam gates we've seen that with multiple coaches the browns have had a history of their own um, but you look at a guy like Flores, you know, they lost, I think they started their season one and seven, one eight straight. They had a great young talent of DBs that Miami had never seen in years. And you had your starting quarterback with injuries and your offense was banged up. And mm-hmm. it's like, 
he took that roster and went eight games straight. And it's like, he was the first coach to get fired right. after the season. It just doesn't make any sense because they had a very successful past two, three seasons. But again, it goes back to the black man in just this country and just in life in general cannot be mediocre. And I think a big thing is because he didn't get the playoffs, they're like, when we're going to move on. Right. But that was the most success y'all had in a decade. Yeah, for sure. And this is why bad teams stay bad. Right. You know, right. decisions like this. Well, and then you, you see stuff come out about the owner paying him. And we, I mean, we, we talked earlier about, you know, the culture of the Steelers and how they've had three coaches in the last 50 years or something like that. And their culture is based on winning. And now you understand, like, like you said, this is the most success that the Dolphins have had in a decade uh, under Flores. They fire him. And now the allegation or the stuff comes out about the owner paying him to lose. And you're like, okay, yeah, no wonder you guys are a horrible organization. Exactly. Yeah. And I hope that that the NFL finds that he actually did. I don't know. I don't know any of this. Like, full transparency, I don't know how the legal stuff behind this all works. Yeah. I don't know how, what they're going to find or how they find proof that he did offer Flores. But I hope that they do and he can't own the like because if, if if that happens if they find proof that he offered money he won't be able to own the team anymore yeah because that's now you're going into like tanking on purpose and that's a whole different thing too yeah. but yeah you understand why these teams lose and even the browns like <laughs> we made the joke on the last pod and i told you this about hugh jackson it's like they didn't even need to pay him to lose because <laughs> the Browns. But then it's like, it's the Browns. Like, yeah. no one, like, it makes sense that they paid their coaches to lose because they're a bad organization. Yeah. And you don't hear, and I and I don't think you will ever hear organizations like even the Seahawks and the Steelers and the Packers and the Patriots owners paying their coaches to lose even when they have bad teams because that's just a culture thing. Exactly. And so, yeah, it, it, it makes sense now that we, we talk about this and we – get more and more pieces that okay yeah it makes sense that the Dolphins pay their coaches to lose because they have a horrible organization yeah yeah it's unfortunate but hopefully 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 something changes right soon right and and I don't know it's going back to your comment about you know uh, black and white people in jobs having similar results or having similar performances but different results that's just something that like it's weird myself as a white man not even that's not even something I consider. Yeah. Um, but it's and and so hearing that from you, I don't. Know, it opens opens up a lot of yeah. things because you you know it's just like I'm just, I, I I it's not something yeah like I said it's not something I even consider. Sure. So opening up those blinders because it's not like I'm doing it on purpose. No, absolutely. Um, but yeah, hearing about it, I mean, I don't know makes you consider a lot more things. Yeah, I mean the the reason I say. It, the reason I said that is because it does sound bad. Like, it sounds harsh. Like, it sounds like I'm almost saying, hey, there's favoritism, you know? Mm -hmm. It's not fair. And that's not what I'm saying. It's just the reality of it is that people, whether it's in the workforce or sports, black people have a lot more expectations to live up to. And if they don't meet those high and almost unrealistic expectations, then we're seen in a negative light. And that's the point I'm trying to make. Yeah. Is that it's not the same for people that look like like white people. Right. Or um, it's just it's just not the disparity there is is always something that I've been confused about. Yeah. Um, but that's and, important to say. It's important to bring up. Absolutely. Sure. And I and what you said earlier, um, just a couple minutes ago, it's crazy how the NFL just just in the aspect of this, 
that the NFL would spend more time with allegations in the case on Deflategate mm-hmm. than an actual human being right. with their job. Right. Like, think about that. Because at the end of the day, and I said this on the podcast on Tuesday, our YSM podcast, is that no matter what you look like, what color your skin is, like, we're all people. Mm-hmm. Like, we all breathe the same air. That's one, something my coach always told me from a young age. Uh, we all wake up the same every day. We put on our pants the same. Like, we all do the da- same daily habits. And it's like, it's crazy to see how an organization that claims that they want to end racism, they want to stand up for justice, stand up for what's right, support our black players. And you see how they spend more time on a case that is involving flat footballs right. than a coach. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So. For sure, for sure. Well, um, this is—it's going to be an interesting situation to monitor, and you know, maybe as we as it goes on, and as this case, because people are saying this is like one of the most important—it's going to be one of the most important court cases like in NFL history, oh, yeah. just okay. with everything that falls off. So maybe we can talk about it more uh, in the future, just yeah, how it all shakes down. Absolutely. Because it's weird right now to, because a lot of this as we've been doing is a lot of speculation and a lot of like okay, if this is actually true, and I hate saying those, and especially when it involves like legal situations, because you yeah. just never know what's going to happen. But I'm I'm very interested to see how this all plays out. Yeah, um, same here. And hopefully, like I've said many times, hopefully Flores gets a job. Hopefully he's not blackballed by the NFL, because if it's one, like, that man knows how to coach, and he's, he's very good at it. So, um, yeah, we'll see. Anything else on, on Flores? No, I, I just hope things change for the better. For sure. I mean, it may not affect right now, but mm-hmm. maybe for future generations, mm-hmm. I think that would be positive too. For sure. I agree. All right, let's get into we, – we we didn't really, on our pod, didn't talk too much about the Super Bowl matchup. We kind of talked about conference championships, but um, let's just talk about the Super Bowl for a little yeah. bit. We talked – we're both – I think we're both rooting – yeah, we definitely are both rooting for the Bengals. Absolutely. Yeah. You have to, especially as a Seahawks fan, you have to. And – First of all, what a year for NFL playoffs. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they, yeah, for real. The past couple weekends have been insane. I think some of the best football I've ever seen in yeah. the league. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting matchup. I was hoping for Cincinnati 49ers, but, you know. Yeah, we we're, uh, okay, we were talking about this. It's And that might be weird for – like, I was rooting for the 49ers to beat the Rams. And as a Seahawks fan, that, that might be weird for some people to say because I think there's still some parts of Seahawks fans that – or, like, some groups of Seahawks fans that hate the 49ers still. Yeah. But like we were talking about, the, we've beaten the 49ers a lot recently. <laughs> like, I, I always say you can't worry about little bro. You know? Right. That's, <laughs> that's, that's what San Francisco is. And it feels bad saying that because they were in the kind of championship right. and we weren't. This but. year was not a good year. I mean, I'll be honest. It was not a good year for Seattle at all. But you know, even as a bad of a season we had, we still beat them twice. Right, right. And it's like for some reason the Rams just have our number. We cannot beat them to save mm-hmm. our life. Whether that's at home, on the road, playoffs. I mean, Whatever it is, yeah. Last we season, we last in the wild card game at home. Mm-hmm. Like, we just can't beat them. No. So, I mean, I hope they, I hope the Rams lose this game. It's going to be a tough matchup. I think it's going to be a long, long day for the Bengals' offensive line. Yeah. They're going to have to really figure it out and prepare because Vaughn and Aaron have been playing solid. <clears throat> yeah. It's going to be – I'm really interested to see kind of how – 
Well, because the Bengals, you know, obviously the nine, nine sacks against the Titans, they responded well. I think it was only one sack this past weekend against the Chiefs that yeah. gave up, but he was definitely under pressure. Um, well, what they were doing a lot is doing a, a seven to eight man protection yeah. too. They were bringing, well, fortunately, Uzama got hurt, but mm-hmm. Drew Sample, he did a good job. They brought him in a lot on some of their offensive packages mm-hmm. to block the either the end of the the gap, the the backer coming off the end. Yeah. So I think they're going to have to do the same thing against the Rams, kind of go a seven, eight man protection. Right. And hope that their the passing game works as effectively as it has been for them. Because mm-hmm. Rams got some DBs too. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is, I'm, I'm, we're, I think we're probably all assuming that Ramsey's just going to man up on Chase, um, which doesn't necessarily mean he's, he's locked down. Because we see, I mean, Evans torched Ramsey a few times, yeah. and Chase definitely has the ability to do that. He's He's been incredible this year. And, but I think a big part of why that Bengals won last week was when we talked about this on the pod was T Higgins had a great game. Great. Um, he was huge. I mean, he was yeah. Burroughs, the, the guy that he looked for on third downs. And that's, I think that's probably going to be need, need to be what happens this week too. And I mean, they scored that touchdown on the screen pass. They're going to need to do that. And like keep the Rams guessing yep. their, their defense because if their defensive line just gets to rush the passer, Freely for four quarters, it's not going to end well for the Bengals, yeah. like you're saying. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you noticed this, but when we were watching the game, we were we were getting angry at the Bengals for running so often on first down because it seemed like they ran it right into the line every single yeah. time. I was noticing that too. Right. So I'm wondering, I'm wondering if they they switch kind of that up too against the Rams. Yeah, it was interesting because mid season for them. They pass on first and second down. Yeah, had a lot of success mm-hmm. getting you know five to six yards on first down. It's like as especially as, as an offensive coordinator, that's what you want. You want big chunks like that on first down. Makes your playbook a little easier on second and third if you have to. You know, kind of putting yourself in a second and four, third and two situation right. instead of a second and nine or a third and six. Yeah, you know. So I think what they need to do is get Burrow going quick because obviously. Both teams are going to have their own nerves. Um, it's the Super Bowl. Right. So if they can get Burrow throwing some slants, quick outs, getting the tight end involved right away, um, right out the right out the gate, first quarter, I think that's what will help him settle in yeah. and kind of get that offense rolling. Yeah, for sure. Because as a quarterback, the, the key is you just need to see someone catch a football. Yeah. That's it. Whether that's a screen, a hitch – a slant, anything. If you can just see that ball, leave your hands, and get a positive gain, that's it. That's all you need. Really? And then, oh yeah, it's such a big, big confidence booster. No matter what game you play in, it's just like, if you can see that connection happen, then things just kind of start to happen. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That makes a lot of sense. And that's why you see a lot of teams try to do that early in the game. Um, Like little screen passes and stuff, like you said, just to get the quarterback going. Um, what about the other side of the ball? Like Rams on offense, Bengals on defense. I'm, you know, this is, people have been saying, you know, this is, might be the most likable quarterback matchup in Super Bowl history. <laughs> I mean, as much as I hate the Rams, I, Stafford is awesome. Um, for him to just battle in Detroit for as many years as he did. Yeah. And now get the opportunity. It's one of those weird situations where he's still in his prime, probably near the end of it, but. Uh, and and all these the team that he left still loves him like everyone the only people that are rooting for the Rams are Los Angeles and Detroit 
And yeah. other than that, I think everyone's probably on the Bengals. But yeah, um, I don't know what have, like what are you seeing from Stafford, and what do you think the Bengals are going to need to do to stop him? Well, from a quarterback perspective, Stafford's a really smart guy. Like I'd probably say, as far as IQ is concerned, definitely top five mm-hmm. in the league, maybe even top three. Um, he's just super smart. He knows what he's doing. Knows where to go with the football. Very accurate, especially the playoffs. He's been seventy-two percent completion. Like that's pretty unheard yeah. of. Um, what I think the Bengals are going to need to do is they obviously have a great defensive line. It's a young group. Um, you got DJ Reader, um, who I think is a, he doesn't yeah, get talked about enough. Yeah. Um, and who's the other guy that they got? Um, Hendrickson. Hendrickson. Uh, yeah. Sam Hubbard too. Yep. Has been big. So yeah. those guys, those guys have been big time for them. I think what's going to be crucial for that group is. Number one, pass pass rush. Mm-hmm. You have to get pressure on Stafford this, mm-hmm. this game. Um, got to get in his head. Got to blitz him a little bit. But the thing I'm a, a little afraid of is obviously that receiving core is pretty lethal. Yeah. We got Cut. We got Beckham. He's really stepped up. Um, he's huge for them. Oh, he's been big time. Yeah. And I get nervous for that secondary because, you know, against the Chiefs, we saw they win a lot of one high safety. Um it left Tyreek Hill open a lot, you know, mm-hmm. across the middle of the mm-hmm. field and, you know, on those over routes and drag routes kind of makes me nervous. They're going to have to kind of switch up their scheme a little yeah. bit. seemed like they did in the second half, at least, because, yeah, in the first half he was running wild, and, and the second half might be just the Chiefs collapsing on themselves. But, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think that's what's going to be crucial for them. Um, Hilton's going to have to continue to play well like he has mm-hmm. been. Bates, he's stepped up big. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, they're just – I think the team that can get at least two turnovers somehow will win the game. Yeah. Obviously, that's a key aspect of every game, you right. know, not turning the ball over. And the team that usually does usually loses. But mm-hmm. someone's got to get a takeaway. Right. I think that's what's going to be important. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting because with these quarterbacks, we've seen both of them have stretches during the season where they can get really reckless. Um, I mean – well, I was pretty low on the Rams coming into the playoffs because I think we had said that Stafford had like five turnovers or two turnovers at least in the last five games of the regular season. I mean, it was bad. And then Burrow had a stretch in the middle of the season where when they lost like a couple games in a row, I think they, I think he threw three picks on three passes against the Bears and they lost to the Bears. So we've seen each quarterback have stretches where they're just where their confidence, because both of these quarterbacks are extremely confident and they're extremely Absolutely. good, but they've had stretches where their confidence can get a little bit too, you know, too high and they yeah. start forcing throws. So, yeah, I think it's going to be interesting maybe which quarterback can handle this stage yeah. best and which quarterback can protect the ball. I think that's going to be huge. For yeah, sure. I think especially in the postseason too, we've seen that Burrow, he's been number one against the Blitz. Yeah. Whereas Stafford, he hasn't been pressured much, Mm-mm. honestly, in my honest opinion. Yeah. So... Can you really get pressure on Stafford to have to make a quick decision? Mm-hmm. Burrow's handled it actually pretty well, but like I said before, that D-line's a different breed. So we'll have to see how he handles that one, yeah. especially the O-line. So it'll be a good game regardless, though. For sure. I'm excited for it. For sure. Um, all right. Anything more on the Super Bowl? What's your, you, you got a, a prediction? I, I'm putting you on the spot here, but but just a... I want Bengals to win, so I'm going to go with that. Uh-huh. I'm going to say score is going to be... I'm going to say 24-18. 24-18 Bengals. All right. So hypothetically, you know, the spread is, if we were to bet on this game, it's it's I think it's Bengals are 
four point underdogs. Okay. But you like the money line. You just yeah. like yeah. All right. I, I like, like it. I like the win. I, I we were we've been um we've been putting like our our podcast has been putting out some like parlays and we hit the first couple and then last week we we didn't hit our two and we've been talking about what we're doing for the Super Bowl and we're all just kind of like I think we just bet the Bengals and money line and ride with it because we're rooting for them anyways <laughs> and like, you get a better get more money if they win rather than just the plus four so it's like let's just ride with the Bengals why That's not cool. man That's yeah cool. <laughs> um all right couple more things uh Cade Beresford yep. is g- coming to Boise State I was uh, dude I can't I had no clue this was happening and I saw it on Twitter and uh you know I'm not super close with Cade but I've known Cade uh, we played. We played actually little league baseball together. Okay. Um, cup, man, I think we were probably 10, 11, and twelve when we played all stars together. Okay. Um, but he was your. Was is he a tackle? He was at Wazoo. He was playing guard. He was playing bit. guard at Wazoo. What yeah. was he at Woodenville? Left tackle. Left tackle. Yeah. So he was your left tackle in yep. high school. Yep. Um, first of all, I was really surprised he transferred. Because he was playing at Wazoo. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and you don't see a lot of guys that play at Wazoo transfer to Boise. Um, were you, did you, I mean, you might have known his coming. You're pretty, you're, you're closer to him. Sure. But were you surprised that he, he wanted to transfer? Not really. Um, I think, you know, even just being at UW, um, there's kind of been a trend where, you know, just the past couple seasons and a lot of changes um, in the Pac 12, just in general. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've seen it. You know, you right. Wazoo, Oregon, USC. Yeah, now you got USC. Yeah, you got all these Arizona for that matter too. All these coaching changes and the portal is such a it's a nightmare. Like it's a it's a whirlwind of people and um, it's obviously changed a lot because of COVID. Just right. it's overflowing right now. So I think that especially with the recent trend of the NIL you kind of have players that are starting to think a little more business minded and maybe some of it, some of it's selfish in a way of not selfish necessarily for themselves but when there's NIL and there's money involved that's what you think about you know that's that's what you want and I don't blame them I've I don't seen either a, yeah. I've seen a lot of guys and I've been in I've been in the industry obviously um, I've seen a lot of guys that you know don't come from the best situations that are trying to support their families um so I wouldn't even say that it's selfish in a bad way, but you have to be. You right. have to be selfish. You have to be. You have to put yourself first. Put your family first. Well, because the, the the coaches don't look out for no. you first. They look out for themselves no. first too. So. Not at all. And yeah. that's and that's a big kind of I wouldn't say lie, but it's a big kind of false realization. As a young high school mm-hmm. athlete, you think that these coaches have your best interest. You think that they want you because. You're, you're a person that can bring value to the program, not just because you're an athlete. Some people don't really get that until you actually get there mm-hmm. and you see the 180 change of how they treat you. And right. you're like, oh, this isn't the same. Right. So I think over the years, players are starting to get smarter and really understand, okay, this is really a business. Mm-hmm. And now what's interesting with this NIL and players getting money and you know rewards and prizes and things like that and merch and cars and all these different types of things is like you can't really treat these athletes as amateurs anymore. They're kind of professionals. So doing what's best for your family, doing what's best for your own life, you know, your living situation, I think is what, you know, is what these athletes are doing. From Kate's perspective, um, 
I just think he made a decision, you know, that was beneficial for him and his brother. Cause mm-hmm. His brother Jack's here now yeah. too. So, um, obviously, Wazoo had some coaching changes midseason. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, offensive changes too. Yeah, I think their quarterback left too, right? The quarterback left. Yeah. I know their O line coach. I think he stepped down midseason when. Um, oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's a big deal. When what's his name? I'm blanking on the name. The other Wazoo coach. The last head coach. Yeah, I don't even know his. I don't know why yeah. I'm tripping, but, yeah. you know, you guys understand what I'm talking about. So I just think there were some things and factors that went into it, and, you know, obviously his dad went here too, so yeah. I think it's kind of cool for their family aspect and culture too. Totally. Totally. Yeah, and I, I, I'm excited for, for – and I was, I, I've talked to him. I, I think we're going to get him on hopefully soon um, on the podcast just to talk about more Boise State yeah. stuff. But I'm excited because we've had a – Struggle at O line <laughs> the past couple of years, so it, it'll be nice to get him in there. And sure. I don't, does he have? Is it just one year of eligibility, or does he's he have two? two? So two. that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. K is one of my one of my great friends, and uh, I'm super happy for him because I think it's going to be a situation that works out well for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, he he's a hard worker, so I already know he's going to have a big impact on the team and. On, on and off the field yeah. for that matter and so I, I, I'm excited for him yeah that's awesome we're excited to have him for sure yeah um alright last thing I want to talk a little bit of Seahawks um with you for those of you guys who don't know a lot of people you, you get called Russ's twin a lot right <laughs> yep for years um what where, where are you at with do you think he's gonna you think he's gonna stay do you think he's gonna he's gonna try to leave what, what's your because it's been a weird Seahawks season when we, you know, obviously he gets hurt and then he comes back and doesn't play well. And the consensus is, or, you know, Seahawks fans are calling for Pete's head, saying to trade rush, saying to start all over. And then we have a couple of good games at the end of the season. And, you know, it's against the Lions and the, you know, but I don't know. Now we're sitting and people are kind of like, all right, let's give it another shot with this, with Pete, John and Russ. And I don't know, where are you at? Yeah, I think I will start with just Seattle itself as a team. I think the fan base has got very accustomed to having really, really good football seasons. Yeah. Um, what, Russ has been here for 10 years now? We had one bad season. Everyone thinks the world's ending. So I think that's one thing to take into mind. You know, that's just what happens in our society now with social media and, you know, just the aspect I think of cancel culture too and so when things don't work out right now yeah um, how people want it you know they start to freak out want change and want new people but at the end of the day Russ is still a top five QB um, in the league I at least in my opinion mm-hmm. um, definitely top 10 I was gonna say it's for sure top 10 and you can argue for top five for sure yeah, yeah. I mean, you just look at the wins over the years, the most winningest. Um, you just look at his consistency. Obviously, didn't make the playoffs this year. I think that was the first time. Or maybe yeah, second maybe time. second. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. So, you know, and you have to give the guy some grace. You know, his finger got busted up right, this season. Yeah. He lost his best friend. Um, so there's just some things that go into it. I don't think he'll leave. I don't think Seattle will get rid of him because they have to trade him yeah. in order for him to walk. I don't necessarily think he can walk on his own, but I'm um, not really sure of the contract structure there. But I think he'll stay one more season at least. Um, 
obviously, you know, as a quarterback of that caliber, you have options. Um, if he's exercising them, I, I don't know. I don't know if he can. But, you know, the media, it's all speculation, so we're not really sure right. anyway. But, yeah, from an organizational perspective, Seattle's not getting rid of him. That's just my opinion. Yeah. So, especially if Pete stays, which it looks like he will. Right. I just don't see it happening. Right. And it's weird. I mean, we've talked at length about this on our pod, but it's such a weird situation with, you know, Paul Allen dies a few years. Has it been a few years now? But, anyways, so maybe it's just been a year. But they're, they're, so the ownership is kind of a little bit unclear. It's like it's Jody Allen, but it's also like just because she's the chairman of the Paul Allen Trust and. It's really unclear about how much she's involved with the whole situation, but Pete signed a con a big contract last year, so you know he's you've got to buy him out, and that's yeah. the owner that's got to do that. And if she's not really involved, she's just gonna kind of let him ride that out. And same with Schneider, signed a big contract, and I don't know. I think <laughs> these guys are they're they're self they're aware enough that they need Russ. And training him and restarting is not going to help anything. And yeah, still have a t- really talented team. Um, man, I don't know. It's just going to be. You hope that they kind of regroup and scrap this season and just say, "Hey, Russ got hurt. We had a few things not go our way." I think they fired Ken Norton already, which yeah, I didn't. I didn't mind him, but it's probably. I mean, the way we were using Jamal and the way you know was, was not the best and. He's a part of this team, whether we like it or not. So you got to find someone that's going to know how to use him better. Um, yeah, the thing the thing about Ken Norton is great defensive mind, but he was also here when we had Legion of Boom. Yeah. And the defense that he was running was the same back then, and you just can't run that defense right. if you don't have a good pass rush. Right. You just can't do it because it puts a lot of responsibility and pressure on your safeties and corners to make plays. Right. And so when you don't have a pass rush, you know, you're running a one-high look every single play. You're running man coverage. Right. Guys are coming across the field. You don't really have that strong of a nickel right now. You know, it makes things tough. Obviously, guys like uh, Ryan Neal's really developed. Mm-hmm. Quandre Diggs is Quandre like the is, top free safety yeah, maybe in He's had football. a phenomenal season. But when you don't have guys like, you know, the Legion of Boom. Right, right. On top of not having the pass rush that you want necessarily, at least the consistent pass rush that you're looking for, right. it just puts a lot of pressure on your backers and secondary to mm-hmm. make plays and make tackles. Right, and that's tough when, you know, arguably, maybe not anymore, your best defensive player, at least your highest paid one in Jamal, is not. I mean, man coverage is not his strength at all, no. and I think that's kind of the difference between him and Cam because they're playing those same role of that like strong safety but kind of like more of a hybrid safety in that defense is cam could cover tight ends really well yeah along with blitzing and you know doing what he needed to do um jamal's strength is not man coverage yeah and like you're saying yeah that you can't run the same same defense if you don't have the the same personnel yeah so it's also tough because that secondary has had a lot of injuries. Yeah, and a lot of moving parts. Brought yeah. in a lot of, like, Sidney Jones brought him in. Like, yeah. I don't, yeah, yeah, for sure. You're, so, you're totally right. We'll see how it works for the defensive side. Offensively, Russ obviously had a shaky season. Um, he still finished top 10 in touchdown passes. Mm-hmm. Um, even the second half of the season before was a little bit shaky, too. Mm-hmm. So I really hope he can rebound strong and kind of look like the old Russ. Obviously, I know that that hasn't left his game. Right. Um, I just think that there's some things that 
Maybe it's from the offensive coordinator play calling side that could help out. I, I, I do really think that they need to help Russ out a little bit mm-hmm. in terms of play style. I just don't mm-hmm. think the play action, Jared Goff rollout type, you know, is not his fit. Right. I think you need to get, you know, your receivers involved a little more. You know, set up some plays for DK. Maybe get him on, on the run like Debo. And you see how they're using A.J. Brown in Tennessee. Like, get the – work the middle of the zone a little more. Mm-hmm. Work, we always run the, the deep post with right. the, with the um, over coming across 15, 20 yards in the middle of the field. You can't do that every time. Right. And because all you have left is either a tight end popping on the out on the other side of the field, and then you've got your running back either – in the middle of the line of scrimmage or out on the sideline. So you can't really have that play all the time. And hopefully they kind of open up the playbook diversity a little bit. So I have a a question for you because I think my dad first brought this up to me, and I hadn't really heard it, but the more I've looked into it and the more I've asked other people, uh, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, (laughs) I don't know. How good do you think Russ is at reading defenses, like actually reading defenses? Because we know he's – one of the best deep ball throwers, probably the best deep thrower, ball thrower in football. I think so. And that's like you mentioned, we run a lot of those deep plays because especially the beginning half of the 2020 season, it was working. Russ was an MVP candidate. Yeah. But, and the, the reason why I'm kind of thinking, I don't think he's bad at reading defenses, but he's not, I don't think he's that good at it. I think he's more of a middle of the pack quarterback in that is because we've had so many offensive coordinators come in that you can't just be like, Oh, it's the the play the, the plays that this offensive coordinator runs because we've had a bunch and Russ's strength is not throwing it over the middle of the field. It's like those deep balls along the sideline. I don't know. Have you is that something you think has any traction to it or I don't know. I don't think it's a matter of IQ. Yeah. I think actually Russ is one of the smarter ones yeah, in yeah. the league. Um, as far as reading defense, I don't think that's an issue for him. Mm-hmm. I think it's the plays that are being put in okay. that do not enable him to make the reads that he needs to. Gotcha. For example, you look at San Francisco, um, you look at a Cincinnati, they have concepts. Right. You know, they have actual plays where their receivers are getting involved. For mm-hmm. example, Cincinnati, as you saw last week, you've got Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins. Now, sometimes T. Higgins is on the outside. Sometimes they motion him down in the slot, and he runs a, a dig across the middle of the field like you saw on mm-hmm. third down. We don't do that in Seattle, you know. Right. Now, Tyler Lockett is very similar to Cooper Cup in the aspect of you can put them almost anywhere on the yeah. field. Now, obviously, Cup is a lot better, but you got to get Lockett involved where he can set up a linebacker and make a move, whether that's go in or out, mm-hmm. set up in the middle of the zone, and that just doesn't happen a lot. DK he only runs his post and that's it, or he, you know, runs a, a go route. And right. you gotta you gotta do a little more with them. I can see them setting him up for some Debo style like plays. Yeah. Maybe getting involved in a jet sweep or maybe have him in a running back look even. You see a guy that his size right. in the backfield right. doing nothing. Right. So maybe just having more options and more concepts for Russ I think would help out a lot. Yeah. And especially to a guy of his size, his height, you've gotta get him spread out. Mm-hmm. You've gotta get him outside the pocket. You've gotta allow him to you know, sit back and gun and actually have the time to go through his progressions. Right. And, you know, our offenses consisted a lot of under center and dropping back from under center and play action. Yeah. Just for a guy of that style and mobility, you just can't do that all the time. Yeah, I agree. I agree. There's a lot of problems that they need to figure out. And 
Russ, along with DK and, and Lockett and how talented those guys are, have covered it up. Um, I just think, yeah, the way that the NFL is kind of moving is now, you know, we were able to cover it up because those guys were so talented. Now there's so many teams that have just as talented of guys, yeah. but they're running, like you were saying, better schemes and different schemes. And uh, you just, you, you lose to those teams yeah. when you have the same, I mean, if it's equal athletes, but a better scheme, the team with the better scheme is going to win. Um, so yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And, sure. w- and what also, the last point I'll make is, what makes those quarterbacks like Tom Brady and, and Rodgers, um, you know, super successful is they just they also take what the defense gives them. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So that's some Russ has not been good. He struggled that, a little bit with yeah. that, um, I will say. Um, obviously, you know, as a quarterback, you know, you get excited when you see your deep ball starting to break loose mm-hmm. and you wanna hang on to it for a couple seconds, but sometimes, you know, what makes Tom Brady so great and what he did for years, he just hit his little check down yeah. over the middle or, yeah. or hit his check down out in the out mm-hmm. in the flat. Um, and just making quick decisions like that, it makes the defense have to um, commit and also come up closer. Yeah. Yeah. And that opens up your deep ball. And that mm-hmm. opens up your routes across the middle of the field when the defense knows he's going to hit a check down. we got to cover that. we got to be ready for that. For sure. So just keep, keeping defenses guessing is what is what needs to be done. So I agree. I agree. And, yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think it's – it, the blame goes to everyone. Yeah, it's not just totally. yeah. Russ had a yeah he had a rough season, but it's not all his fault. And yeah, our coordinators don't call the best plays, but sometimes Russ doesn't get it to the guys who's yeah. open. So yeah. yeah, I agree. I agree. We need, <laughs> there's a lot of changes that need to happen. Hopefully, we can get back to the Super Bowl. That's I the agree. Goal. I agree. I really, dude. I thought I even thought before the season we had a chance to. Uh, I thought we I thought we were going to rebound a lot better than yeah, we did. I did too. We'll see. Hopefully next year. Always next year, right? <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Thanks again for coming on. Um, appreciate you. I really me. appreciated this. Yeah, this is fun. No, thank uh, you so I enjoyed, much. I enjoyed talking to you always. So um, we'll do it again soon. Absolutely. Thank you. All right.